Hi, and welcome to another episode of Chingonas Only Club. I'm your host, Meli Ramirez, and if you're a new listener, welcome. Thank you so much for joining. And for all returning listeners, I love you guys. Thank you so much for your continued support. On today's episode, I want to talk about leadership. Last week, we talked about toxic people and how they are detrimental to you and your environment. And with that, I wanted to talk about leaders and leadership and why some people fail tremendously at leading others. So without further ado, get ready, get comfortable, and let's dive in. So leaders and leadership is the topic of the day. I, as always, am not an expert. However, on this particular topic, I feel like I have a little bit more, I don't want to say all the authority, but I feel like I have some form of authority because I've been in the military for 14 years. I've led sailors. I've led commands. I've led an organization. You know, I went to school for organizational leadership. I have two degrees on the topic. And so I feel like I'm not an expert. However, I am versed enough through life experience and education that I can talk about this topic from a personal and a education type point of view to kind of bring the two together. And I wanted to talk about it because... My last episode was on toxic people, but more than anything, it was on toxic leadership. A lot of the episode kind of revolved around the workplace and how these toxic individuals can really mess with our mental health. So I wanted to do this particular episode to talk about leadership and the misconceptions and as to why certain people just completely fail at being leaders or leading people. In good old Navy military terms, I think they always ask you, and I think even in any professional environment, they ask you, what is the difference between a leader and a manager? And people usually give very standard answers, like a manager has certain rules and boundaries and they manage programs where leaders lead people. Um, it's a very rudimentary way of explaining it, but essentially, yes. However, what I think is missing from the understanding of what a good leader is or what a leader should be is that a manager completely detaches themselves from their natural human instincts and does solely what is good for an organization. And what I mean by that is if you're the manager at a store, right, your job is to make sure that the employees are there, the employees are scheduled, that the inventory is stocked, that you are managing the store, you're managing operations, you're making sure that things and people are where they need to be. If you are a leader of a group of people, you are ensuring that You present the goal to the people that you're in charge of and that you help them find a road towards the same objective. 
by learning how to motivate them, whether it's with internal motivation techniques, intrinsic motivation techniques, or extrinsic external motivation techniques. Whatever it is that you choose to do or a combination of both is how you're going to get your people there. You also are very in touch with what your employees' needs are. And I'm not talking about just the work needs. You are very in tune with what is going on with your employees, meaning you know who they are, you know who their families are, who their kids are, you understand where they come from. And the reason for that is without those bits and pieces of information, you are not able to properly find the intrinsic and extrinsic motivation things that you need to help push them or propel them forward towards the goal or towards the objective of your organization. And I think, at least in my experience in the military, because we are almost perceived as a very rigid organization, and I would even say that historically we have been, older leaders, and I hate to say older, but Older leadership, those who've been around 30 years and plus, which there are some people in the military, have a really difficult time with younger generations, not just connecting with them, but also leading them because they were not used to that kind of relationship with their sailors. They were used to managing. They were used to saying, here's the mission. Here's what we need to do. Here's the hours that we need to put in, get there, do it do it now. That's it. I don't care about your personal life. I don't care about whatever. I don't care if you're sad. I don't care if you're happy. I just need you to get the job done. Period. Now, I know what some people are going to say, well, it's the military in a time of war. Do you really have time to be concerned with people's needs? Well, no, in a time of war, everybody all hands on deck would be fighting towards the same objective and you wouldn't be there worrying about these things. But right now, that's not where we are. And so it's important that we keep and retain the sailors that we have. And in order to do that, we have to look at these things. So back to the old school leadership way, right? They Older leaders can connect with the junior sailors, with the younger generations, because that's just not how they were brought up. And it's really difficult when you have learned to do a job and you saw people doing a job a certain way and you grew up or came up in that organization following and mimicking those behaviors because that's what was acceptable. And then suddenly you feel like the rug gets pulled out from under you. And now we're talking about making sure that your sailor's mental health is important, making sure that their environment is important making sure that, you know, their families are taken care of. And you go from just caring about mission and mission objective to caring about a whole organization. And suddenly it becomes overwhelming. And I can tell you that I have become overwhelmed (laughs) by the issues of my sailors. My sailors have had a lot of different issues, whether it's family, whether it's medical, whether it's personal, whether it's relationships, everything affects them and their performance. And they trust me enough to confide in me what 
issues they're having when and if there is an issue. So what I'm left with is not only being like a sounding board for them, but I'm also left carrying whatever issues they have. Because once someone tells you a problem, you are responsible for carrying it with you. And some people are going to say, no, that's not your problem. That's not your burden. Well, when you're a leader of people, that is your burden. My sailor is going to come to me and they're going to tell me that they're having an issue and tell me it's my issue. Because if I was a manager who just cared about the program, I would tell my sailor that I don't care. Or even without saying it, I would just say, okay, and <laughs> why are you telling me this? And actually, if I was a manager, I doubt a sailor would ever trust me with any of that kind of information. And I would never know why their performance is deteriorating or declining. And I think that people misinterpret this because they think that leaders almost give a lot of themselves. And if you are a person who's not used to that style of leadership, then you tend to be really critical and judge people like this and feel like maybe they're getting taken advantage by their own employees. And could that happen? Absolutely. You have to draw your boundaries in the sand and you have to be able to understand from the beginning what it is that you're willing to take on and always know that you have an objective. While you're taking care of your people and your employees, you always have to remember what your objective is. You still have a goal. You still have a mission. So the key thing here is compromise. Now, if you're a good leader, and you have a good relationship with your people, the compromise part is going to be easy because you're going to know exactly what your employees' needs and wants are. And they're going to know exactly what your mission and objective are as well. And you guys are going to find middle ground so that you can move forward. So someone might be very honest and say, hey, I'm just here for the money. I just want to get paid. Okay, so they have an external motivator, which is money. You've identified this, right? So what kind of incentives can you offer employees like this? That's why you have in sales and things like that, because it's really hard to make that fun. You have incentives, you have financial incentives, you have bonuses, you have promotions, whatever it is that you're doing. Those are external or extrinsic motivations. Okay, there are people who are solely driven by external things. And that's nothing wrong with that. Some people just prefer a transactional leadership style, which means I give you my time and my effort. You give me my money and my bonus. That's it. I don't want to be a part of this organization in any other way, shape, or form. That's okay. And I think a lot of people who are very generous and very caring have a hard time with this type of employee because they almost take it personal. And I think that if you are a good leader and you've been around a while, you've experienced many different types of people and you understand that some people are going to buy in and some people are not. Your mission or your goal, if you really care about the organization, because you have to buy in as well, right? If you don't buy in, trust me, you're never going to get that. But if you buy in and you say this organization is worth it, you're going to find 
a way to get buy-in from these people. And what I mean by this is there's people who join the military solely for the education benefits. And I know that these hardcore, like, Americans hate to hear this, but it's the truth. I've been in the military 14 years, and I can tell you that about 80% of the time when I ask someone why they joined the military, it's going to be for the benefits, okay? Very rarely do I find people who say, I love this country and I wanted to serve. It's rare. You saw that a lot during 9-11 and all those reenlistments. People are like, I just want to do something. I just want to do something for my country. I just feel like it's my duty. 9-11 impacted them so deeply that they made a personal connection and they felt a sense of duty to serve. Outside of that, once people started... I won't say forgetting because no one's ever going to forget, but the other generations who were born after 9-11, who've only experienced 9-11 in their history books, they joined more than likely for benefits and more than usual for education benefits. Why? Because education has gotten so incredibly ridiculously expensive that it's worth it. Four years of your life, a full ride for college. So the people that join for school tend to have a different perspective of the military than the people who join because they have a sense of duty. People who join because they have a sense of duty are going to come in and they're going to say, what is it that you need? What is our mission? And they're going to go forth and execute. And I'm not saying they're perfect. They have their own flaws that you have to navigate through, but that's what they're going to do people who are dedicated, even if that's not why they joined, if they buy into the organization, they are the people that are going to drive that mission forward with less effort than the people who joined for other reasons. And again, a good leader doesn't step down from any of these people. You have to lead them all and you have to find ways to motivate them. So how do you get a person who joined for school to buy in to the mission that this organization has set forth. How do you do that? For me, I get to know them. I want to know everything about them, not because I want to trick them into into buying into this organization, but I want to get to know them because there's always something that motivates them. And it doesn't have anything to do with the military. Chances are it's some type of personal goal or connection that is outside of the military and if you show enough genuine concern and you can show that individual that there is a way to reach those external goals outside of this organization by doing good where they currently are then you're going to have the same amount of effort and the same amount of commitment from this sailor as the one that joined because they had a sense of duty. And that takes a lot of work on behalf of the leader because you are now leading two very different kinds of people and you have to know who you're talking to and you have to know how to motivate each and every one so that they're all moving towards the same goal. And to me, that's the, that's what makes a good leader versus a bad one. A bad leader, they're not going to be able to do that. 
they're going to only be able to lead one certain specific group of people. It's either the motivated ones and the rest get tossed aside, or the they're not going to understand the motivations of any of their people because they haven't taken the time to actually figure it out. When I went to school, I was already in the military. I had already experienced a lot of shitty leadership, as you guys heard in my previous episode. And man, I can't even tell you all of the negative experience that I went through in my initial years in the military. And I always told myself that those were learning experiences for me. And when I was coming up as a junior sailor, I didn't think that I was learning or those experiences were going to be something that I could apply to my leadership role at some point in the future. No, I thought those were those type of shame on me type of lessons. Like, I'm not going to trust leaders. I'm not going to trust supervisors. I'm not going to trust people. I thought that that's what was happening to me. I was getting jaded from being screwed over so many times or mistreated by people who were supposed to be looking out for my best interests. But when I was placed in a position where I was in charge of sailors, I remembered all of the awful, horrible things that happened to me. And I wanted to make sure that my sailors never experienced that. I never wanted to make someone feel like they were discriminated against because I was. Whether it was because of the color of their skin, their gender, their religion, or any anything personal. Because there's no reason for it. And I felt it so much when I first joined the military that I wanted to ensure that that was not an environment that I would ever foster. And that was going to be a hard line for me. Like you cross it once, that's the only time you're crossing it. Period. So that was a big rule for me. Two, I wanted to make sure that I always listened. Something that I felt always continued to happen to me time and time again was that when I tried to speak up and tell people what was happening to me and people were taking advantage of me, there wasn't anybody really listening when I was explaining my situation. People were not listening to find a solution. They were listening to speak. And that was really hard for me. And so I wanted to ensure that when sailors came to me, I treated them just like I would my family. And ensured that I asked them whether they wanted a solution or they wanted me to just hear them out. Because sometimes people tell you things, but they don't want you to fix them. They're not ready. They're not ready to confront the issue. They're not ready to confront the person. And so I made sure that I clearly heard my people out to understand what outcome it was that they wanted from me. And... Thirdly, I wanted to make sure that my personal values align with the organization's values. And that was very important to me because I think that leaders, whether it's in the military or in your professional careers, sometimes tend to forget. They feel like the two are completely separate. And yes, they are. But if you're leading someone in a way, you have to give a part of yourself to this organization. And if you do so blindly, 
and you think that the negative values of this organization don't represent you or don't poison you, then you're completely mistaken because you stop differentiating what is right from wrong. And so for me, I wanted to make sure that my values align with the Navy's values. The Navy lives by honor, courage, and commitment. Those are our three core values. And for me, those have very different meanings than what they do for the organization. But I do understand those three major values of the organization that I find myself in. Now, in addition to that, trust is a big part of my relationships, honesty and humility. I would say those are the biggest things. One of the experiences I had over and over again was a lack of humility in the military. People always wanted to be on top. They were so busy competing for awards. They were competing to be seen. They were competing for whatever it was, and they lacked humility. And when they became leaders themselves and were in charge of sailors, it was evident that they lacked humility because they could never admit when they were wrong. And it caused a lot of issues. It ruined the morale of the organization, the department, whatever it was. Because nothing is worse than a leader or being led by someone who cannot, for the life of them, admit that they're wrong. Who cannot admit that they don't know something, that they need help. Because people mistake being a leader with always having to be right or having all of the answers. And the fact of the matter is that you're human. You're not always right. You don't always have all the answers. So humility was a big part. And I wanted to ensure that no matter what, I always remained humble. And if I didn't know something and one of my sailors did, I don't care how junior to me they were. If they knew something, I would ask them. And I would ask them to teach me. And to this day, I live by that. I cannot tell you how much trust I have in my sailors to do the right thing and make sure that the things that they know that I don't, that I thank them and that I ask them to teach those things to me because I am one person. I am in charge of many things and I cannot know everything. And this misconception that I have to is completely false because all it does is cause burnout if i try to be everywhere all at once and know all things i'm just gonna crash and burn and it's not gonna help them grow if i entrust my sailors which is where that trust piece comes in if i entrust them with responsibility with the knowledge of just knowing that they are the experts in a certain area and I am here should they need me, that gives them or empowers them to continue to grow and to feel like they are independently reaching their own personal goals within the organization. Basically, I'm here to support you. I'm not here to tell you exactly how to do your job because I may not know every single aspect of your job. However, I'm always willing to learn. And this is important A lot of people stop learning once they become leaders. When they are in charge of people, they stop learning. They don't 
think that it's necessary because they go from leading to delegating. And all of a sudden, everything is everybody's job. And when something goes wrong, everything is everybody's fault. That's one thing that I never want to do. To me, every day is an opportunity to learn something new, to grow. And I always feel like I, and this is more my own imposter syndrome kicking in, but I always feel like I'm just inadequate and I don't know anything. And so I'm always so openly willing to just take feedback from my sailors and listen to them or let them show me things when I know damn well I don't know how to do it. And that's okay. That's perfectly okay. Because at the end of the day, they still trust me and come to me to continue to teach them. So I may not know everything, but 14 years in the military does teach you a lot of other things. And if I value their knowledge, they value mine. And it's almost like a collective way of reaching your goal, your mission. So that's super important. While I use them for the tasks that they're used to doing that I may not be, they utilize me for representation whenever they want an issue heard or voice. It's my job to advocate for them. And they utilize me as such because that's what I can do for them. I can communicate up to other supervisors who are way above my pay grade and their pay grade, and I can communicate certain issues or concerns that my junior sailors might have, and I represent and advocate for them. So that's a relationship that I feel is very important. If you're in a leadership position, remember, while you're driving the organization's mission, you're working for the people you're in charge of. Okay, that's super important. And I think the issue with leaders, and it might be the reason why there's so much toxicity in leadership, is because people often mistake the position of leadership with a position of privilege. It's like your decisions, your opinion, your voice will always be the loudest, the most correct the only way or the only direction that things can go. It's the only thing that matters. Your needs are required to be met first. That's the misconception. When in actuality, taking a position of leadership actually means, at least to me, that your needs are more often than not going to be met last because you are selfless When it comes to your ideas, you have to make sure that you're listening to your people because they are ultimately the ones doing the job. If you're not the one doing the job and you've never done the jobs that they're doing, you have to learn how to listen to them because they know best in situations like that. If you've done the job and you know that it can be done another way, then that's a totally different story and there's a way to communicate that. But If you think that your needs matter more because you're their leader or you're their superior or their supervisor, that's completely inaccurate. Your needs are going to be met last. And that's a shitty trade-off. It's almost like a thankless job. When you're a good leader, sometimes you feel that way. When someone betrays your trust, it feels really shitty. 
it is a sense of betrayal that you can't really overcome, but you have to learn how to work around it. So in the military, we always say trust but verify. And I think people feel a certain way about it. But when you're in a position of leadership and you have sailors under you or you're a supervisor and you have people working for you, you know that you trust them to do your their job, genuinely trust them. But it's also your job to verify because it doesn't mean that a mistake is intentional. It could be unintentional, but it's still a mistake and it's still a big deal. You still have to be able to do your job. So that's what we mean by trust but verify. It's not micromanaging, as some people would call it. It's just a matter of you looking out for your people and making sure that you're keeping them out of hot water and vice versa. They're supposed to also be keeping you in check. There's so many things that you can do in, in reality to just make sure that you do better, that you are better for your sailors, better for your people, for everybody around you. If you truly want to be a good leader, I would say that it's important to also educate yourself. Um, I think I was under the misconception that the military was so incredibly, well, not it wasn't really a misconception. I'll say it was very outdated in its leadership approach. And fortunately, while I was going to school, the military itself was also going through this major change. And when I got my degree, I felt really proud of myself because a lot of the stuff that I learned, which people told me I would never use, I got my degree in organizational leadership. People told me that I would never utilize that because I'm in the military and I don't have a civilian job. But every single day, I utilize the things that I learned in school. And I'm so thankful for that because people say that you learn a lot of things on the job and you do, but there's a lot of skills that you didn't or approaches to conflict resolution, to motivation that you just never thought about, at least not when you were in a position where you were the employee or the junior sailor. And I think that going to school helped me broaden my perspective on the fact that you could be a very different type of leader. There isn't this one clear mold and that you're able to align it with your own personal values. And that's something that I never thought was possible before. I thought that everybody in the military had to be an asshole <laughs> to be a leader because everybody was an asshole to me. And I was pleasantly surprised when I found that that wasn't the case. And I feel like I grew so much from just educating myself and then being able to put that education into actual practical everyday interactions with my sailors. Fortunately, the Navy over the past five years or so has completely overhauled their leadership curriculums. And a lot of the values and the things that I learned when I was going to school are now being officially taught in advancement and leadership courses for our junior people. And the really cool thing is that they're learning it when they're barely coming into the military. These are values and lessons that they are learning at the earliest point of their careers rather than 
later in their careers, which is what the Navy was doing before. And to me, that's incredibly important because these sailors are gaining skills that are going to be essential for their daily interactions with their peers, with their supervisors, and they're not rigid. It's not that old school military one track type of leadership. No, it's almost like, hey, here's all the different leadership styles and you can do various, but you have to be able to be flexible and do them all depending on the type of situation that you're in. There are situations that call for transactional leaders. There are situations that call for, what is it called? Servant leadership. And honestly, that's what I relate to the most, servant leader. Um, I feel like that's my mission. That's my livelihood. That's what I relate to the most. And you're going to relate and connect to a type of leadership style. The idea behind it is that you identify your leadership style because if you identify your style, you're going to know exactly where your weaknesses are. Rather than you going blindly leading people and people just not being able to connect with you, you're going to understand before you even put in that position where your blind spots are. And if you know where your blind spots are, then you have an opportunity to fix them. I think that the Navy's heading in a really awesome way. Big organizations like, let's say, Google and I don't know about Amazon, but like big companies, they're already on track with this. Like these are the values that they've adopted. Organizations that have good work environments are already doing all these things and they're placing emphasis on, on values and in leadership rather than management of people. So it's super important. My husband works for a bank and I swear, I just, I'm like, I don't know how these places work, but they are, they spend so much money, so much money these organizations spend on all these things to try and motivate their employees, but they don't do the basic, basic stuff. Their branch managers are exactly that. They're just branch managers. They are there to manage the financial center and the people doesn't really matter. Even if they care, they're not given the tools to properly address the issues internally. And they're certainly not given the resources. So it's not all their fault. Some of them it is their fault. (laughs) depending on the things that they're doing or not doing. And it sucks because these financial centers, these banks, they're big, huge international banks. They have all of the funding in the world to make these changes. But the fact of the matter is that what they care about is the bottom line. They don't care about their people. And if you go to, say, another bank, who does care about their people, whose employees are one of their main priorities, you're going to notice the difference in service. You're going to notice the difference in how your business is handled, the difference in the environment. It makes a world of difference. And you still get that bottom line. So it's, I would say... It always comes down to the organization, but there's things that you can do at your level if you're in a leadership position to make sure that you're making the best of it for your employees, your department, your center, whatever it is. 
I thought that that was super important because I talked a lot of shit about all the people that were just horrible to me and I've never really given any feedback on the things that people could have done better or how to be a better leader um, when you are put in that position. So you're not making the same mistakes. And I will say that sometimes these people who are really shitty to me, some of them definitely did it on purpose, but others, it was evident that they really didn't know any better. Everything that they had, every interaction with leadership that they had themselves had been exactly what they were displaying because you learn from experience and that was their experience. And it's not an excuse, but if we can change someone's perspective and teach them something and help them grow, I feel it's her duty and our job to do it. So I didn't want to just bitch about all these things and not offer a solution or repeating the cycle. It's not what I wanted to be about. Anyway, that's my rant on leadership. (laughs) I hope that it was somewhat educational to you. If you don't know what your leadership style, there's so many quizzes out there that you can take. If you're interested in learning more, like officially learning more, I encourage you to take a couple of leadership courses if you're in charge of people because you're going to grow so much from them. And honestly, it's going to benefit you and the people who work for you. If you genuinely care and it's something that you want to do for personal growth, it's highly recommended that you do that. Again, the degree that specifically focuses on this type of learning is organizational leadership And you can go all the way up to a master's degree in it. I'm not sure what else is there, but I feel like if every person who was in charge of people went through a course like this, not just a course, but a curriculum of organizational leadership, we would all be so much better off for it. (laughs) So yeah, that's it. I hope that this wasn't super boring for you. I just really enjoy talking about it and that you take some of this with you in your own personal life and implement it if possible. And let me know what you guys want to talk about next week. All right. Adios.